The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Marcus Aurelius' Book 5, Chapter 1, A New Book. And this excerpt is a little bit longer than usual and a little bit more jam-packed with ideas than the most recent chapters. So I don't know if this is going to be one episode or two. I guess we'll read it and find out. And this is written in the style of, I guess, what I call Stoic dialogue, where he he states ideas in the voice of reason and then objects to them in the voice of emotion. So I'm going to try to make the voice of emotion a little bit whiny, just to give an audible distinction between the two, since you're not reading this in text. At the break of day, when you are reluctant to get up, have this thought ready to mind. I am getting up for a man's work. Do I still then resent it if I am going out to do what I was born for, the purpose for which I was brought into the world? Or was I created to wrap myself in blankets and keep warm? But this is more pleasant. Were you then born for pleasure, all for feeling, not for action? Can you not see plants, birds, ants, spiders, bees all doing their own work, each helping in their own way to order the world? And then you do not want to do the work of a human being. You do not hurry to the demands of your own nature. But a man needs rest as well. I agree he does, yet nature has set limits to this too, just as it has to eating and drinking. And yet you go beyond these limits, beyond what you need. In your own actions, In your own actions, only this is no longer so. There you keep inside what is in your power. The point is that you do not love yourself. Otherwise, you would love both your own nature and her purpose for you. Other men love their own pursuit and absorb themselves in its performance to the exclusion of bath and food, but you have less regard for your own nature than the smith has for his metalwork, the dancer for his dancing, the miser his money, the exhibitionist for his little moment of fame. Yet these people, when impassioned, give up food and sleep for the promotion of their pursuits, and you think social action to bring a small return and to be less worthy of effort? Okay, so it happens to work out really well that I'm recording this today because today was the coldest day, the coldest morning uh, of the season so far. Uh, I think it was in the low 30s, and I definitely felt this way when I woke up and was in bed and just wanted to stay under my covers. So I uh, I hear you, Marcus Aurelius. But let's examine what he's saying. Uh, the thing that jumped out at me immediately in connection to Judaism was his literal statement of go to the ant you sluggard learn from its ways and grow wise and uh and don't stay in bed all day uh that is from shlomo melech in mishle perik vav psukim vav through yud aleph uh which i'm just gonna read in english here uh go to the ant you lazy person see her ways and become wise for although she has no officer nor guard nor ruler over her she prepares her food in the summer and stores up her food in the harvest time how long will you recline O lazy person When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to recline, and your poverty will come like a traveler and you're lacking like an armed man. So Marcus Aurelius used as examples plants, birds, ants, spiders, and bees, each doing their own work, helping to, to, in their own way to order the world. Before we get to his message, I just want to, I just want to talk about this technique of using animals as a, a vehicle of Musser. So the Me'iri on his commentary on that Pasuk in Mishle, or those Pasukim in Mishle, explains this uh, approach. He says, Der HaMochiach, it is the style of the rebuker, the one who delivers rebuke, V'chol HaMadabrim Baruch HaKodesh, and anyone who speaks with the Holy Spirit, Laharos L'Nochachim Dugma Min HaShvalim Be'erech L'Nochachim, to bring an example from those who are relatively low 
in reference who, who are lowly relative to those who are being addressed, uh, who are being rebuked. So that the people who are rebuked will draw a kavahomer, an a fortiori argument to themselves, and arouse their hearts to take discipline. So he gives examples from Tanakh where, where the Navi, where the prophet rebukes Klal Yisrael, rebukes the Jews by comparing them to lower people. And I actually uh, decided not to read from those, and then I'm changing my mind now. So let me just look them up really quickly. He says, uh, let me find it here. Uh, well, you know, I'll just summarize the first part, which I deleted. He says, oh, actually, no, I can find it. Yirmiyahu, chapter 2, is Yirmiyahu's first rebuke. So he says, as follows. He's talking to the Jews about turning away from Hashem and, and saying, he says, traverse the aisles of the Kittites and observe, send forth unto Kedar and consider deeply and see whether there has ever been such a thing. Has a nation ever exchanged its gods, though they are not genuine gods? Yet my people has exchanged its glory with a capital G for something of no avail. So he basically says, look at all these, these primitive tribesmen who don't give up their own gods for the sake of some other god, and yet my nation, Israel, has given up Hashem for, for the gods of others. So, uh, and if, you're, if, if you have a problem with that, then look at the Abravanel there. He has a good answer. Uh, but I don't want to get sidetracked. Okay, so then the Miri goes on. So after saying that, that, that this is a, a style of, of rebukers to compare people to, uh, the people who you're rebuking to people who are lower than them, and then that is supposed to trigger a call of Homer, that if this person... Uh, is lowly and and he's not partaking of this fault, then how can I? So then the mirror goes on. Sometimes then this uh, the the rebuker will show them an example from animals that don't have intelligence. And that these animals by nature act in an upright way in a manner which those who are rebuked do not. And then he quotes an example from Yeshayahu, from Isaiah, that an ox knows its master, or its, yeah, its, its owner, and a donkey knows the trough of its master, but Israel doesn't know, my people don't understand. Okay, so in other words, this is a, an extension of the Kav Homer that if a dumb animal does this correct thing instinctually, then then certainly a rational human should be able to do what comes naturally to a human. And that's really the argument that Marcus Aurelius is making, is he's saying, he's saying you human beings were created for, for what he calls, uh, what was the word he used? Social, social action, right? Or actions of justice. Uh, and that is what your own nature demands. And so all these animals are doing what their natures demand, and they do it without complaint, and they do it every morning, and yet you just want to wrap yourself up in your pajamas and your blankets and stay warm and just uh, bask in the pleasure of, uh, of, of, of sleep. So you're supposed to draw a kavachomer from that and be motivated to act. Now, again, this is not a logical kavachomer. This is basically designed to hit you in the emotions and say, like, am I really, am I really not as, uh, as uh, on task in my human mission as this animal is. Uh, and it's funny because he, Marcus Aurelius also compares himself to these 
lowly human beings that he says other men love their own pursuit and absorb themselves in, in performance to the exclusion of bath and food. But you have less regard for your own nature than the Smith has for his metalwork, the dancer for his dancing, the miser, his moneyed exhibitions for his little amount of fame. I, I'm assuming that he uses, he's using these as uh, as examples of lower human beings, not that they're intrinsically lower, but what's more important, being the ruler of an empire like Marcus Aurelius was or being a dancer or being a, a a, a metal worker, you know? So he's saying like, these guys do their job and they do it with a single minded devotion and they give up lots and lots of comforts in order to do that. And you, Marcus Aurelius, the, uh, the, uh, the empire, the emperor can't do this to, to enact justice in your empire, your empire. So uh, I just find it interesting how both Shlomo Melk and Marcus Aurelius use the same technique there. Another thing I thought of was the opening paragraph of the tour Shulchan Aruch. So this is the tour Orachim Simon Aleph. Uh, he says, so he quotes the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, Yehuda ben Tema Omer, uh, Yehuda ben Tema says, You should be bold like a leopard, light like a nesher, uh, whether that's an eagle or a vulture, uh, ask Rabbi Slifkin, swift like a deer and strong like a lion to do the will of your father in heaven. So then he explains what each of these ideas is, what each of these character traits are. And again, this is using the same technique of comparing yourself to animals in a more positive way, an aspirational way instead of a degrading way. Uh, and then he applies this, curiously enough, to getting out of bed in the morning, uh, especially with a cold. He says, Therefore, a person needs to be strong like a lion to arise in the morning to serve his creator. Even if your Yitzhahara, your evil inclination, seduces you in the winter, Lemur, saying, How can you get up in the morning? Uh, because the cold is great. Oh, you see, Enu Bakayitz, or your Yetzirah will will seduce you in the summer. Lemur saying, How can you get up from bed? You haven't gotten enough sleep. So, what should you do? He's Gaber Alav Lakum. You should overpower your Yetzirah and get up. You should be the one to wake up the dawn and not let it wake you up. Kamosh Amar David Alav Shalom, like David Melk says, Ura Kavodi Ura, Hanevel Vichinor, Ira Shachar. Awake my soul, awake, O lute and harp, I will I shall awaken the dawn. Shachar Ani Meir. Sorry. Shachar Ani Meir. I think this is a typo uh, in whatever edition I was using online. Ani Meir Hashachar of Ein Hashachar Meir Osi. I wake up the dawn, the dawn doesn't wake me up. And all the more so if you wake up to supplicate before your creator, uh, then how beautiful and how good. So he's also saying that you should take inspiration from the animals to, to get up and serve God. Now, just to compare these three sources here, okay, the Tour, the Mishle, and Marcus Aurelius, it is interesting how Marcus Aurelius and the Tour both give interpretations about how you should wake up to do something that is noble and befitting of your nature, either to for social action or to serve God, right? But why did Shlomo Melch say that you should wake up? <laughs> he says, how long will you recline, you lazy person, when will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to recline, and your poverty will come like a traveler and you're lacking like an armed man. And if you look at the Mepharshim there, he's talking about how laziness will result in poverty, and then you'll be in a more dire situation than you were uh, than you are right now when you're being rebuked. So this is very typical of Mishle, that unlike other works of Musr, of uh, of discipline or ethics, Shlomo Melch uses what naturally motivates you and shows how you're not going to get what you're naturally motivated for if you don't apply wisdom. 
uh, Shlomo does not use arguments that appeal to higher values. He typically doesn't. So in other words, he'll say, for example, instead of saying don't murder because this is a human being created, B'Tselem Melukim, in in, in, with the form of God, he'll say don't murder because you're going to get caught. Or instead of saying don't cheat because it's unjust, he'll say don't cheat because people you'll people will uh, will find you out and then you'll lose your reputation and then you won't make any money. So when it comes to implementing this in practice, okay, when when which I assume that in the winter months many of us will be in a similar position like this and we'll be in bed and it'll be cold and we won't want to get out of bed, then you really have to uh, you have to know yourself. And know which strategies you're going to use uh, that are going to uh, um, work most effectively. If you are motivated by the self-image of an of an Evan Hashem, of someone who serves God, or you have some sort of duty or task, uh, whether it's as a parent or a teacher or whatever job you have, that you think to yourself, well, I need to do my part to sustain the whole, just like these animals and plants are doing to sustain the whole. If that works for you, great. But I personally prefer a more Mishlaic approach, which is that if I don't wake up now, then I'm going to be behind on on the day, on my work, and it's just going to create more stress for me and more problems, and I don't want to have that pain. Uh, I find that that often works better, uh, and maybe that's just because I'm partial to Mishlai. Okay, uh, that takes care of that episode, I think. Was there one more point I wanted to make? Oh, yeah. He says, so I do think that there is a little bit of that Mishlaic uh, style of argument in Marcus Aurelius's words, because he says, the point is that you do not love yourself. Otherwise, you would love both your own nature and her purpose for you. Now, he, he switches mid-sentence to a more noble type approach of otherwise you would love your own nature. But I think Slomo Melech would also say you do not love yourself if you don't treat yourself well. And treating yourself well means taking actions that that bring you long-term benefit and and prevent long-term harmful consequences and staying in bed will will have a long-term har- uh, long-term harmful consequence so if you if you stay in bed you're really not tre- taking care of yourself you're really not treating yourself kindly and if you love yourself you would get out of bed when your uh, when your alarm goes off and start your day so i do think that marcus really is not entirely disagreeing with shlomo hamelah uh, but uh, he does take the more uh, the, the the high road, so to speak, in terms of the nobility argument, as opposed to the consequences based argument. All righty, that is it for today's episode. If you've gained, well, before we go through our outro, I would I'll, I'll repeat that I would really like to start doing Friday Q and A's again. So if you have questions, then feel free to send them to me. Uh, at rabbishnewesterdgmail.com. Also, if you have feedback, this is uh, this is again something that I really like and that I learned from and I actually take into account that if someone says, oh, I really liked such and such an episode because such and such, then I know, okay, well, there's at least one person that this next episode is going to, uh, the next episode I model after that is going to, is going to resonate with. And so, um, I, you know, as opposed to, again, just shouting out into the void, uh, the more feedback I have, then the more I can make content that you enjoy and gain from. 
Speaking of gaining from stuff, if you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss and my Zelle and PayPal are matt-schneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with a financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbischneeweiss at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.